0: Hey there, this is What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back to riff and reminisce about the days of old, that old time rock and roll. We're going to share a few songs off an album of the month from the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, with some individual staff picks and a little more. You're going to hear some well-known favorites along with a few deeper cuts that may re-inspire you. If you hear something you haven't heard in a while, or if it's totally new to you, visit our website, whattheriff.com, and you can download these songs to your playlist. We hope you enjoy the riffs and our riffing about them on What The Riff, brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and also Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So for now, enjoy this episode of What The Riff?
1: The United States officially recognizes the independence of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. The two-year experimental biosphere begins in Arizona, And the USA Basketball announces the dream team for the 1992 Olympics. This is September 1991, and we're What The Riff. I'm Wayne.
2: I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce.
1: And right now, we have our album pick, and it's coming from Brian. What you got, Brian? Oh, man, this is
3: something that I'm sure most of us will recognize. It's uh, based out of Seattle. If you don't recognize the guitar by now
1: about ready to kick into gear.
3: There. There, there we go with the percussion. Now you'll recognize it. This is Pearl Jam. This is their first studio, their debut studio album uh, from ni- 1991. Lead singer, Eddie Vedder. This song is called Once. It is the actual first song on the album. And uh, it... It's, initially, it was not a success. Uh, Ten was a... By, by late 1992, though, it reached number two on the Billboard Top 200 chart. The album produced three hit singles, Alive, uh, Even Flow, which I, it is on this album, excuse me, Wayne, we, we just don't talk about that, and then, of course, Jeremy, that we'll cover here in just a minute, but uh, the band started with guitarist Stone Gossard and bassist Jeff Ammont They played together in a pioneering group called Green River. And following Green River's dissolution in 1987, Emmett and Gossard played together in Mother Love Bone during the late 1980s. And Mother Love Bone's career was cut short when vocalist Andrew Wood died of a drug overdose in
0: 1990. I I, uh, didn't know, didn't recognize the song at the beginning, the intro, but when that percussion hits, yeah. You know it's Pearl Jam. Yeah. And then when
3: you hear Eddie Vedder's vocals, you really know it is. This is great. Jay. Well, kind of like we had with Paul Rogers, and we talked about it with Stephen Perry, Steve Perry and some others, Steven uh, Tyler with Aerosmith. When you hear the voice, you know who it is. Oh, yeah. You know, to Talk amazing.
1: about the, the initial group not really hitting it off at, at first. I remember getting a cassette. And I think you had to send off it or whatever else, but there was like a promo cassette that Coca-Cola did. Yeah. And um, it had a live on it by Pearl Jam. And I remember hearing it going, oh, that's a good rock song. I just really didn't pick up until it really exploded on the scene, obviously, a couple of of months later.
3: Well, what happened with with, uh, Mother Love Bone, they were just about to release, as I said, their debut album called Apple. Andrew Wood dies of a drug overdose so they're devastated and it took basically months before Gossard and Ament agreed to play together again. And Gossard started practicing with fellow guitarist Mike McCready who was also part of Pearl Jam. His band called Shadow had broken up and McCready in turn encouraged Gossard to reconnect with Ament. so the three went into the studio for three separate sessions with Soundgarden drummer Matt Cameron and former Shadow drummer Chris Ryle to record some of the instrumental demos. Five of the songs, they're called Dollar Short, A Crave, Footsteps, and Richard's E. And as we go into the next one it was it's called Why Go. This is the second song.
1: Now, this is the beginning of Garage this is the month that changed rock and roll. Because we went from the heavy metal, the pop, you know, stuff, and we went to grunge and this. We went really, to Seattle. Yeah. yeah, we went to Seattle. Yeah, Seattle came to us. Exactly. We all went, you know, with plaid shirts and, you know, turning our back to the audience and just playing music, you know? yeah. Music was music. No big hair anymore. Everybody cut their hair or just had this stringy long hair. Kind of back we'll to the hippie the days, days. But, but
3: to your point, Wayne, you know some people accused Pearl Jam of uh, jumping on the grunge bandwagon at the time. But they have to remember, though, 10 had been recorded and released before Nirvana's *Nevermind*. So it was instrumental in promoting the alternate, you know, rock at the time. So I'm not sure that grunge. Of course, everybody associates grunge with pink, with Pearl Jam with with uh, Nirvana and things, but more and more, Pearl Jam is considered to be alternative rock.
1: Well, the yeah. grunge movement, I remember when Nirvana came out, it was like a mad rush. Everybody went to Seattle to find, hey, we're going to find the next next Nirvana. And that's when Pearl Jam got promoted. Soundgarden had an, had an yeah. album put out at the same time. Uh, Nirvana's, you know, Kurt Cobain's girlfriend at the time, uh, her group was Courtney was Love. Yeah, Courtney Love's group, Hole, put an album out in September. All these all these groups happened at the same time. It, they were discovered later mm-hmm. because of the mad rush going out there. I remember going to Pioneer Square. I went in 92, uh, just went skiing out there and met her, had a friend out there, and we decided to go to Pioneer Square. For 15 bucks. you could go to seven different bars, and they had bands in each bar and, you know, You go to seven different bars and, you know, less than an hour each, you kind of start hitting the good good lick. And they didn't have Uber at the time, so we (laughs) had to sober up somewhere.
3: But But anyway, this is just amazing, though, how these songs, many of the songs on 10, were recorded initially as just instrumentals and demos. Mm -hmm. Better gets them. They send them to him. He's in San Diego. And he writes lyrics to this. So it's just amazing. A lot of the stuff, when they went into the studio, had already been recorded. And so their production was only a month. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell
2: you, I, I have never been a grunge fan myself. And, and I may get thrown out of What the Riff right here. But
1: Bruce, <laughs> your history. Next week, we're going to come with a guest host, and we're kicking Bruce out. I, I
2: really I do not like Nirvana. I have never liked Nirvana. Don't like it today. But I will say this. I mean... Pearl Jam has a, a, a kind of that crossover appeal because it's yeah. it's heavier, it's uh it's it's got the grunge, but it's also you know it's a heavier sound.
3: Oh, it is rock. Yeah. Now this next song is to this day is still one of the most compelling songs I have ever heard. Now, if you ask me what the most compelling song I ever heard is, probably Harry Chapin's "Cats in the Cradle" because of just the content and the message. The same thing applies for me here because it truly is a song that touches my soul and I never get tired of hearing it. What happened here is, is Pearl Jam was touring. They were called, of course, back then, Mookie Blaylock. That was their name until they came he up Named
1: after the basketball player?
3: It was inspired by his admission that he just likes to smoke the gunji, So they thought that was great.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah,
3: they were called Mookie Blaylock and... Uh, he, Mookie Boylock was flattered He thought that was the greatest thing So, but Eddie Better one morning was reading the Dallas Morning News Little plug for the Dallas Morning News And he picked up on this story About a boy In middle school And he went to class that day But of course he, the lyrics are very specific About he was ignored at home and, and things like that But he goes to school and Commits suicide in front of his class
0: that's Jeremy speaking. Yeah. Mm.
3: He spoke in class today, which is essentially he pulled a gun and killed himself in front of his classmates. But he goes and does some research about it. And it's just an amazing story. And, you know, a lot of times rock and roll is talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but not this one. This goes right after it and talks about a very dark subject, but it was very real. And he brought it to the forefront. I know, oh, Wayne, you and I have talked about it before. Was this the prelude? To the Columbine horror.
1: Well, when I initially saw the video, I mean, they don't obviously show the suicide, so they showed a bunch of kids kind of in shock with blood on them. So I thought it was actually the kid actually coming in and shooting, the, shooting the other kids in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I initially thought of that until you know hearing about the the suicide bill. And so. Yeah, I kind of say, hey, these guys at Columbine may have saw that and got some inspiration. I don't, I mean, who knows?
3: And I don't know if you all have heard their live version of this uh, on on either uh, video or anything, but their live version of Jeremy is very compelling, especially at the end of the song that we're about to hear where he's, you know, doing his chord and he just sings out and when the crowd, when you hear the crowd sing it, it gives me chills just to think about it because it makes me wonder when I hear it, how many other Jeremys are out there at the end of their rope? In this case of Jeremy, where he, his mother didn't want him around, his father wouldn't give him affection or attention, all these things. Eddie Vedder hits the nail on the head here, and you could hear it, like I said in the live version, you could hear the the crowd just screaming, uh, the part coming up at the end of the song, and it's just amazing, and it's still, to this day, gives me chills.
0: You mentioned live. To me, almost every uh, uh, song that Eddie Vedder does sounds live. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's the way they record it. I don't know, but it just... It just sounds maybe raw, maybe yeah. a little raw, not not quite as
3: finished. Right. Here's the part where he'll come up, he goes, and he'll ask the crowd when he comes up and he goes, you know, with the long, strong notes, he'll say, hey, help me sing here. And it's coming up, and the crowd just lets it go. And it's just, you can just see, how many of them, like I said before, how many of these kids, right here, how many of these kids... Are feeling what Jeremy in the story? They touch their soul.
2: I think that's what makes us gives a song its staying power. Is if it taps into some emotion that lots of people
0: identify. It makes you think. Makes you stop and think about maybe how you treated people. You know, high school,
3: work, wherever. Well, you
2: just never know what what,
0: what's going on in people's lives. Yeah, you could
2: be
3: the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I've always told my my kids that. It's primarily coming from this song. When I play that to him there in the car, I so say, you, "You've got to be nice to people because you just don't know where they're coming from."
2: But that's such that's such pressure to put on a kid. I mean, you're talking about middle school, high school folks. Folks are having enough trouble of their own. They're not. They're not
1: thinking about other people. You know, um, it's easy for us from our perspective. It's getting better today. It's not as bad as it was then. I mean, I remember the the movie Heather's. I mean, that was another one. I mean. Unfortunately, girls have it even worse than guys in, in high school and junior high.
0: That's a deep pick. That wasn't a deep cut. That's right. There you we go. <laughs> well, I had to put this on there. It was, there. A, soul, sure. it was Just, a soul cut. What's the next yeah. one you got coming up here, Brian?
3: The fourth one we have is a song called "Oceans." Uh, never made it to, uh, to radio play, but it doesn't. It didn't need to because this song is again covers the topic of. Social issues, dark issues that encompassed Vetter's writing.
1: Well, once again, this we we recommend downloading the album. Oh no! Get question. the whole album. This is the reason why we do these these staff picks. There's more songs on the, the album. Obviously, we've already talked about two that never made it. I mean, even Flow has that have that song that line of about homeless guy. You know, rest his head on a pillow made of concrete. I mean, my goodness. And great lyrics. Great lyrics. If you've, lyrics, been, if you've lyrics. been to Seattle, it's not the warmest place in the world, one, and it's not the driest place in the world. So if you're homeless in Seattle, you're you're, you're wet and cold. It
3: never rains in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, too, though, Eddie Vedder is from San Diego, he, so he's not originally from Seattle. But a lot of the songs that he wrote for this album and in, in, in his early career we're about he called it semi semi audio audio bi autobiographical. I'll try that again. And it was essentially around the fact that, growing up when he was 17, the guy who he thought was his real father was actually his stepfather. So a lot of what you hear in his lyrics are dealing with that subject. And so it really is a uh, an interesting. To say the least, perspective on his writing.
1: Now, another reason that they were very high on people's minds and and got a lot more promotion than say other groups of that time was their battle with Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, they fought against them to not be able to promote their albums or their concert venues. And they would try to sell their own tickets themselves. I remember that. And yep. they sort of went back to old. Total Records Day, where you had to actually kind of line up and get a ticket, and I actually got the the actual last one single ticket to the Fox Theater whenever they came to the Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. It was, and well, it's interesting. I, you know, I love music. I was old for thirty years old to be there, and there I am. I, I'm walking around. I kind of feel old, and I'm the only one there. And I'm, you know, buying beers and stuff. And and I look over and there's this disc jockey over there that I knew of, and he's like 20 years older than I am. I go, okay, I'm not the oldest one here.
3: <laughs> but this album ended up selling, though. Just final comment: this album ended up selling 13-time platinum, and it's wow. still the number one selling album for Pearl Jam today. Thanks for sharing it, Brian. Oh, what? A, what my pleasure.
0: Believe me. Going to go into our entertainment track, see if you recognize where this came from. A TV show that debuted in September of
3: 1991. Based on the comedy of Mr. Tim Allen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Home Improvement. And what a dynamic duo uh, uh, Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson made. That was a great show. Really, really good.
1: I really not a, didn't get into it. You so did No, I, I never did.
2: I didn't expect this to make it because I thought, you know, Tim Allen's comedy is one thing, but doing a, a show about it every single week, I thought that was a little bit much to ask, but it was a fantastic show. You
3: could only business Sears so many times, right? That's right.
1: Well, <laughs> other TV shows that appeared for the first time, uh, the Moira Povich show, Montel Williams, and the Jerry Springer show.
0: Wow. Jerry Springer? Yeah. All kinds of talk shows.
1: You remember on MTV AM Flux, now, I do. Yeah, Unflux. Yeah, now. that
2: was weird. And man. the
1: commission. There's another one they hit at
0: the time. Cool. You're listening to What the Riff from September of 1991. Like what you hear? Tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook. And the number one thing you can do is subscribe. Go to whattheriff.com and find links to Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Now back to September of 1991. What the Riff?
1: Now we're into staff picks. And this is Wayne's staff pick. We're gonna crank it up to the core. Wild British rock group that somehow discovered the American Indian.
0: <laughs> Don't you know they thought that was really cool.
1: Well this album's called Ceremony, and this song is Wild Hearted Sun. Now, the cult formed in 1983. Uh, they actually settled on the name "The Cult." Before that, they were called the Death Cult, <laughs> which was an evolution of uh, in As Atzberry's, uh previous group called the Southern Death Cult. <laughs> I so that the, you're
2: not confusing them with the Northern Death Cult or the Midwestern Death, Death Cult.
1: <laughs> you may remember them. Um, their first uh, hit was "She sells Sanctuary," and. That is a tremendous song. Uh, the next album was Electric, and i that was the one when I discovered the cult. And I just played the heck out of that album. It had Love Removal Machine. Uh, Fire Woman and Rain were two songs off the sonic Temple that we're going to spotlight eventually, sometime a year or two years down the road, but we're going to come to it. What's interesting is that this album had a, a photo of a, a young Native American boy, and uh, unfortunately, the Startup grunge rock kind of knocked down the sales of this album. Plus, they had to fight litigation against the parents because they si- sued them for $61 million for using that picture. Wow. I, I would assume they would have gotten, gotten a release on yeah. it, but you know. They sued them for
2: $61 million. Why 61? That's a good question. You know, isn't 60 enough? Yeah. I was thinking 59 myself. 59, yeah.
0: Did they sue them? S-I-O-U-X? Oh.
1: Oh. That was Rob. That was Rob. Oh, that's horrible. (laughs) Now we're up a creek. But I do do have a personal story on that. Uh, I was in New Mexico, and uh, I was actually taking uh, a video of my daughter and this Native American guy came up to me and says, "You owe me twenty dollars." And I go, well, "What? I owe you twenty dollars? Because you got a picture of me?" I go, "No, I'm videotaping my daughter. I didn't videotape you." And so he puts a beer in the back of his back in his back pocket. And I go, "Well, go find a cop or somebody, whatever." So he goes, gets a cop. The cop comes over here. And I rewind the tape, show it. Yeah, it's just my daughter. And she tells the guy, hey, you need to hit the road. And he turns around, and there's that beer bottle behind him. And it's not an open open carry. You can't carry alcohol. Whoops. So next thing I know, I go by, uh-huh. and there he is in the back of the patrol car. So get what you get, what you get coming for you. Con artists are everywhere. Exactly.
0: I don't remember this song, but it's got a great sound. And it sounds like the cult. Well, I remember Firewoman. That was one of the songs that I, gets a lot of airplay. And this one had Indian chance at the front of it
1: yeah exactly we kind of faded that in he said it's it's surprising that this british band found the native american way but they really did took take to it and it just sort of looked he just sort of it's this was autobiographical to a lot of people who have been downtrodden you're you're put down for what you know your your beliefs the way you look and sometimes you know especially people who are kind of closer to the earth. You get to those people who are uh, off-the-grid people. You, yeah. People try to put those people down because they're off-the-grid. Our Native Americans, I, I've done some social work with them. Yeah, I remember and, that. And they, they do have it hard. I mean, it's, it's difficult. You can't get corporations to move out in the middle of New Mexico or Arizona to put a manufacturing plant when you don't know most of these people are— going to show up to work because there's a lot of alcoholism that's rampant.
2: Very distinctive sound, isn't it?
1: It's hard to categorize the cult though. They're almost, oh, they weren't heavy metal, they weren't hard rock, I guess hard rock, it it was definitely different. I almost
0: think of them as part of the end of the new wave or something, I don't know, but... Yeah, that was a good pick. We're going to move into um, my staff pick next, which is one I found doing research, and I'd forgotten about there, this
1: what one. What you got, Rob?
3: Heard this on the radio the other day.
0: If you if you uh, listen to the way that the guitar is being played, you may recognize Mark Knopfler. Mm-hmm. This is Dire Straits. The name of this song is Heavy Fuel. This this has it, this is probably off their last Dire Straits album. I'm guessing. I believe so. yes. Worst hangover that I ever had. Dire Straits has a definite sound to it, and Mark Knopfler's the reason. When I was listening to this, this is where I recognized. That yeah. I knew the song. If you want to run cool, you got to run on heavy fuel.
3: I what he's talking heavy about? No idea. High test? Well, he mentioned something about a, one of his voice hangovers. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know what heavy fuel is? No. I'm, just, I'm assuming
0: it's some sort of alcohol. It's fuel oil that is. Um, used for marine fuel or furnace oil and it's it's heavier thicker basically than fuel that you would put in your car gasoline Mm -hmm. so he's talking here they they say he's ironically extolling the virtues of cigarettes hamburgers scotch lust money and violence okay (laughs) putting all those together (laughs) and those are his heavy fuel that's
3: right
0: (laughs) In the band was uh, his brother David, and then John Isley was bass guitar and backing vocals and pick withers, played the drums. Believe it or not, this band was one of the uh, best-selling artists. They had record sales of over 100 million. Wow. Wow,
1: That's got to put them up in the top, you know, at least top 20. Uh, Knopfler
0: was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, as a member of Dire Straits in 2018, this year. Just recently. Wow. He deserves it. In addition to working with Dire Straits, I thought this was interesting, uh, and he did solo stuff, but he performed... Listen to these musicians he performed with. B.B. King, John Anderson, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, Elton John, Brian Ferry, George Jones, Van Morrison, Steely Dan, Sting, James Taylor. I mean... This guy's connected.
1: Well, the Sting, the Sting one was everybody knows money for nothing. That's Sting yeah, on the front end of that. So. Certainly. And I want to say he did an album with Chet Atkins also. I, I, I want to say yep. I, I've he got that. One. He did. He did.
2: It's fun. If you start looking out on YouTube, you see a lot of stuff that Martin Oppler has done with a lot of different folks. Uh, great musician. Um, uh, I love his st- solo stuff. Very. Uh, uh, obscure type of topics that he picks up,
0: but uh, but he's a he's a really good musician. He's got a a wide range too. You you hear a little bit of of a country, a little bit of folk, a little bit of jazz and blues. I mean, there's mm-hmm. he's got a lot of uh, influences.
2: He's he's one of those that I feel like he doesn't have that much of a stage presence. He's definitely right. not a David Lee Roth type no, of showman. He's not, but his musicianship
0: is just amazing great guitarists. Their first single was Sultans of Swing and it was that was in uh, 1978. So, you know, this is 91. Th- then, of course, they had a lot of success with uh, Money for Nothing and The Walk of Life uh, ba- back in 1985. Probably one of the best known Yeah, yeah. Songs. Brothers in Arms was a huge one. And
1: album. we talked about Industrial Disease was another hit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite
0: songs is Telegraph Road. And if you that was on the um, b side of industrial
3: disease mm-hmm.
0: that's a great that's a great tune mm-hmm. wonderful tune yeah well let's
3: also not uh, forget to mention that dire straits greatly benefited from mtv their videos oh, were yeah won all kind of awards yeah and their videos weren't just
1: them playing no
3: they introduced a lot of technology and computerized things that were Really ahead of their time.
1: Now money for nothing is politically incorrect.
3: Oh, well, everything else is too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's
0: not? That's why we're featuring rock songs on What The Rest. That's right. (laughs) We don't care. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We've got to
2: install microwave ovens.
0: Yeah, that's right. Next staff pick coming up here is Bruce. What you got, Bruce? That's
2: right. That's right. This one's going to take a little bit to warm up. I'm going to be curious if uh, if anybody remembers this one.
1: That sort of sounds like screen, the Queen a little bit there. A little bit of psychedelic
2: feel. This is uh, this is a group called School of Fish. The song is Three Strange Days. It's an alt-rock band that formed in 89 and disbanded in 1994, so they weren't around for long.
3: Here comes the, the hook. I do remember the song now. Oh, Yeah.
2: Reminds me of Third Eye Blind.
1: The guitar, so, though, is April It Sort of has that Manchester sound too. Yeah, yeah. we've focused on before that we'll focus on again.
2: Well, it's it's uh, they're actually uh, it was it was started by a duo in Los Angeles of uh, Josh Clayton Felt, who's on lead vocals and he also plays some guitar, and Michael Ward, who plays guitar. Um, and then they there's there are a couple of other folks that are in there drums and bass but but they recruited a number of folks into the band. Clayton and Ward were kind of the, the core of the band. And so this is off their debut album, um, which was the it was self-titled uh, School of Fish. They had a second album that was uh, called Human Cannonball in 1993, and it just didn't do very well. Um,
0: I like this.
2: It's got a good sound, and it reminds me of the time, you know, the, the early 90s. You know, I think, uh, Wayne, you mentioned that this was where rock and roll changed. I think there were a lot of things that were changing, you know. You mentioned at the beginning of it that uh, you had uh, the, the, uh, the Baltic states that pulled away from the, the mm-hmm. Soviet Union yep. and um, the, the start of the Dream Team uh, for basketball, Oh yeah, and it made me think um, when the Dream Team won, if I remember correctly the second uh, the silver medalist in 92 was Lithuanian. And and the oh. thing that I remember about them was their uniforms were designed by Jerry Garcia. <laughs> so if wow. you look at if you look at the Lithuanian team it's uh, got this tie-dye look.
0: Psychedelic,
2: yeah. Cool. That's so there awesome. was there was a lot of stuff that was it was a very you know, this is the time you had the you had had the, the Gulf War, and and that had ended yeah. up very quickly. Yeah,
0: it was that was earlier in the year. This That's time, the door. U.S.
2: is resurgent. The Soviet Union is is clearly on the brink of collapse. Germany is, has uh, uh, begun the reunification process. So, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening where the world is really changing from from what we knew it as a
0: kid. Yeah, that was an interesting time. I was—I first became a dad in 19, in 1991, so yeah, my world changed. Yeah, Definitely, <laughs> we
3: had twins. That's even wow. worse. You got two for the price of one. But I—I had I two in '91. Uh, my daughter, at this time in September, was six months old. So
2: I was a little behind you guys. I had graduated and was working in my first job, and uh, would get married in '92. Okay.
1: Uh, I was. Traveling, <laughs> drinking, and traveling, and drinking—not necessarily in that order. <laughs> going to Europe and going to dad's festivals and anything else. I was—I was still single. Did you music.
3: say you were like Rod Stewart, "Put Loose and Fancy Free"?
1: <laughs> Doing my best to do that. All right.
0: I remember being worried about the the Gulf War, mm-hmm. and, and actually, uh, my wife and I were on our way to a Lamaze class. When it broke out and announced, and I remember thinking, "We're about to bring twins into this world. What's oh, it going to wow. be like?" Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, when it turned so quickly in the U.S.'s favor, mm-hmm. when the enemies were dropping their weapons at the sight of the planes coming, yeah, it was kind of like then it was like, "Okay, we've got this. Mm-hmm. Right, the U.S. is going to take care." of you know? Oh yeah,
2: I mean, it, it was so weird because I mean, you had you had reporters going out there to report on these and and Iraqis were surrendering to the reporters, not yes. knowing who
3: they were. Right, well, a lot of them had eaten in days, too. Right? Whatever rations they were given, it mostly was rice and water. Wow, yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a while when all that was going on.
1: I haven't thought about this song in a while, and yeah. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, I am, too. Good job, Bruce. It's, it's a good I'm good. good pick. Bringing songs. something back that I haven't heard in a while. Love Three it.
0: Strange Days. Good job, Bruce. My
2: pleasure.
3: But you know, Bruce, it's funny that you mentioned about the changes that were going on in 91. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't think of a better introduction than going into the next song, which is my pick. You can't have too many songs with whistling. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a saxophone, but it'll do. It's uh, called Wind of Change. It's by the Scorpions. And this, of course, is a power ballad by this German rock band recorded for their 11th studio album crazy world very appropriate in 1990. the song was composed and written by the band's lead singer Klaus mein and produced by keith olsen and the band it was released as the album's third single in january of 91 and became a worldwide hit just after the failed coup that would eventually lead to the collapse of the soviet union
1: and then right after we had the grunge movement start all these groups just faded away.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm. The song topped the charts in Germany and across Europe and peaked at number four in the U.S. on August 31 of 1991. And number two in the U.K. It later appeared on the band's 1995 live album, Live Live Bites. Their 2000 album with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra and on their 2001 unplugged album, Acoustica.
1: I want to say this song was... Uh, big for the I mean I, I, The theme song Of the Berlin Wall Coming down If I recall mm-hmm. oh, It That's makes what,
0: sense Yeah Wind
2: of change I mean But it's It's actually And I don't know If I'm stealing your thunder Brian It's 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 about It's about Russia More than I, it is yes, anything else. It,
3: We can hear some of the lyrics that we'll talk about here In just a minute uh, But the, this Has an estimated 14 million Copies sold worldwide Of this song Wow And Wind of Change is one of the best-selling singles of all time. Uh, It holds a record for the best-selling single by a German artist. But to your point, Bruce, uh, the band presented a gold record of the single to Mikhail Gorbachev in 1991. And as of November of 2018, the video for Wind of Change has been viewed more than 635 million times on YouTube. But to your point, a lot of the lyrics, they're celebrating Glasnost. You mm-hmm. remember the term glass nose by Mikhail Gorbachev from the Soviets, the end of the Cold War, and basically the song is speaking about a hope at a time when tense conditions had arisen due to the fall of communist-run governments among the eastern Bloc nations, starting in 1989. The Scorpions were inspired to write the song on a visit to Moscow in 1989, and the opening lines refer to the city's landmarks, I follow the Moskva. Mm-hmm. Oh. The Moskva is the, the river that runs through Moscow. Down to Gorky Park. Gorky Park is in Moscow. Yep. Listen to the Wind of Change. So, this they, they did inspire this thing to, your, to your point. I, I, I went to Russia a few years
2: ago, and um, the Scorpions are still a very big, very popular group in really? Russia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, you see a lot of Scorpion stuff around there. That's cool. Yeah. You
0: know, I'm amazed... If you, I wouldn't have remembered they were German. Mm-hmm. I'm so amazed when I hear a German band
1: that sounds
0: like
1: it came from uh, San Francisco or something. English is their second language, and, and, and doing songs in a second language. I mean, we talked about that before on a couple, couple of bands. But yeah, it's difficult, and Scorpions did. I mean, it, obviously their big hit was Rocky Like a Hurricane. Yeah. You know? And But this, you know, having to do all these in English along with their native tongue. When you mentioned the releases,
3: they also released a Russian version. So that may be uh, contributing to what you were talking about. today. They sang popularity. in Russian? They did release a Russian version, and they also released a Spanish version. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? i got to show you some of my prejudice here. The Scorpions, if you recall, when Roger Waters did the wall in Berlin, remember the show back in 1990 when yep. he did it in, uh, in Berlin yeah. did, following the, uh, the reunification of of Germany? The Scorpions opened the show Yes, I remember that Now in, that you mentioned it In the it. flesh Remember uh-huh. they came out They drove out onto the stage In the front of the stage In the big limo mm-hmm. They jump out And they kick in And play in the flesh mm-hmm. They also played later In the album too They come back out And uh, hmm. do their part In, the, in the, uh, the the concert that night So well, it was, it was really cool to see Yeah, it was really cool to see them Open the show Yeah um, Right there for Favorite the, son of German is, yeah, Absolutely yeah. Absolutely so it, it, it is, uh, to our point earlier that 1991 it truly was a year of change. Listen to that whistle. That really is cool. Kind to get the uh, image that somebody's walking off yeah, of a stage or, is, or, or of a set. Very Good cool. pick. Now we're going into our
0: laugh track or instrumental. And we we're trying to figure out what would make sense here.
1: Here we go.
2: Another rock song from What The Riff. Things that make you go hmm.
0: and <laughs> c Music Factory. So, I don't know if we'd call this... To truly a comedy thing, but it really
2: does have some comedy value in it. It's a fun song. It has a top ten hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is that at the time, uh, do y'all remember the Arsenio Hall show when it came out? Yeah. So Arsenio Hall had a show. It was, it became really, really popular just after they had announced that they were canceled. But one of the things that he did in that was this little skit called Things That Make You Go, hmm, and I think that I think that might have inspired a little bit of this uh, from CNC Music Factory, or vice versa. But this is all about different things that are happening in this guy's life. That, that you can go, hmm.
0: <laughs> That's certainly an appropriate song for today. I think somebody should cover it. And uh, play it today. Just things that make you go, hmm.
1: Well, other top hits of September 1991 uh, uh, Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Boys to Men had Motown Philly. "I, The Promise of a New Day by Paula Abdul. Everything I Do for You by Byron Adams. So, once again, we had that kind of popish thing that was sort of ready to be kicked off yeah. and kicked to the curb by, by Grunge, because that was, because also in this month, Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm-hmm. that video debuted on MTV's 120 Minutes, which was, oh, wow. the, was the late night version of, uh, or Hard Rock, or almost like, it wasn't a headbanger's ball, but it was the, the alternative part of MTV, right. and that's when it kicked it off. Now, other albums that came out at this time—you know—we talked about obviously Dire Straits, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Hole, and um, Pearl Jam. But Rush had an album out. Oh, oh yeah, Roll the, Roll the Bones. Yeah. Guns N' Roses had, I guess you'd almost call it no no double album yeah, out basically. That's
2: right. Use Your Illusion Use your One
1: illusion. and Two. Yeah. Almost once picked, again, had had whistling in there. I almost did.
0: picked November Rain for my staff pick for this.
1: Blues mm. Traveler.
0: Lose tra- that's
2: a good album. We need to pick sure that one.
1: Tesla. Ozzy Osbourne. Little Feet. No More Tears. And a group that once again got kicked to the curb because of grunge, The Smithereens, one of my favorite groups. Mm. I enjoyed the heck out of them in the, in Only the 80s. Only a memory? Yeah. No, that was, that was earlier. This okay. Okay that this is the last time they kind of got any type of radio play. It's, it's interesting when you
0: think about all the grunge and the music we featured today, and then you got this. Yeah. It's kind of that rap, you know? You remember the McDonald's commercials that had... <coughs> had this in it, things that make you go, Mmm. Hey <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> Ladies, have you ever had a man
2: go away for business, come back with a tan? Comes home late at night from work. you cooked him dinner, now you feel like a jerk. Saying he didn't have time to eat, and he's not even hungry, he wants to be treated. To the bedroom, he's and, and hurts. You're only making love, ain't radical spurt. Mysterious call, oh, wow. and the phone goes click. You say to yourself, I'm going to hit him with a brick. Well, that's been a good uh, good What The Riff here.
0: Yeah, that's good. Good. Uh, I'm glad we included c and c- c- Music Factory. It's been one of our longer ones, too. Yeah. So this is uh, What The Riff from September of 91. We've had a good time. Hope you have, too. Signing off. This is Rob. This is Brian. I'm Bruce. And I'm Wayne. Hope you enjoyed. You've been listening to What The Riff? We hope you enjoyed ripping with us. And we invite you to visit WhatTheRiff.com to find and download the music we had on tap today. You can also contact us and request an album that you'd like us to riff about at WhatTheRiff.com. And if you get a minute, like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Links are available on our website. Thanks for listening to What The Riff, brought to you by Pello Windows and Doors. Also, Marbury Creative Group. Tell it better. If necessary, use words.